0: You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever podcast, your source for news, discussion, and debates about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. I'm Nathanael Rutherford, joined by Gene Henley. And we thank you all so much for tuning in. If this is your first time here, welcome into the podcast. You can find us everywhere podcasts are found. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. Find us today. Subscribe to the show. Give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts while you're there as well. We would really, really appreciate that. And leave us a review, a written one. If you leave us a written one, we will read it here on the show. So thank you so much for tuning in. This is not your first time. Welcome back. Happy to have you here again. Gene, I wanted to talk about, when we recorded this week, I wanted to talk about the open practices we, that were um, seen on Saturday before the Tennessee Ole Miss game. Both the men's and women's teams had open practices, and I, I read a couple of reports from it, and I wanted to talk about some standout players and some notes and stuff that were from both teams on those. I, I wanted to do that. But then... I think it was on Tuesday, all the preseason stuff happened with the, the preseason polls, top 25 poll for AP, with the SEC media picks. I thought, okay, well, we can talk about both those things, and then that'll be the whole podcast. Lo and behold, the same day, <laughs> it, it, welcome to the Tennessee Athletics market, by the way, if, if, you're, if you're new here, if you're not actually a Vol fan, you're listening to this, this is what's like every single day, every single week covering anything to do with Tennessee athletics lo and behold a, a big drama bomb dropped with Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee former head uh, football coach and his lawyer seeks a October 29th deadline for the settlement with Tennessee after his termination as head coach from last year and, and him, him and his lawyer trying to do a wrongful termination lawsuit and basically threatening the university by saying that um, we have all this information we know that basically that pr- wasn't the only one with this hand dirty and we're gonna if you're gonna fight tooth and nail with it we're gonna get dirty and fight tooth and nail as well and, and basically start releasing other information implicating other coaches other administrators and we have quotes and firing back from rick barnes and f- former obviously rick barnes is the, the main focus of this podcast uh at least how it pertains to this podcast we'll get to that in a minute because that's going to be the one that i think is going to take more of a discussion and a longer talk So I want to get to the preseason polls and stuff first. So I'll I'll have timestamps. If you're on Spotify, I think you can just tap it or click it or whatever and take it right to it. But if you're in Apple or somewhere else and you see the timestamps, you can just skip ahead. If you don't want to hear the preseason stuff and you you want to hear the Jeremy pryor rick stuff, you can skip that and skip back to this or however you want to do it. There there should be timestamps for you to see where exactly uh, these topics start and end. But Gene, let's talk about the preseason polling stuff first because that'll... That'll have some good discussion, but it won't take nearly as long, I think, as the, the rest of the stuff here. Both the men's and women's basketball teams at Tennessee are top 20 preseason teams. The men's team comes in at number 18 in the preseason AP poll. Lady Vols come in at number 15. I got to say, I, before I ask your opinion, I was a little surprised the Vols came in at 18. I thought they might be a little higher. I, I wasn't going to expect anything higher than like, I, I was expecting maybe 16 or 15 somewhere on there. So 18's not too far off. I'm not going to, you know, pull hairs over a few spots here or there, but I was a little surprised to see them at just 18 rather than, I don't know, like I said, 15, 16, maybe even 14. Whatever, it is what it is. The preseason polling from the SEC Media Days picked the men's team to finish fourth. They picked Kentucky to win, which I think that's an interesting conversation for you and me to have. Alabama-Arkansas in the 2-3 and spot, I think I said that correctly. might actually be Arkansas-Alabama, I don't actually remember. It is Alabama, Arkansas, then Tennessee, then Auburn. Lady Vols picked second in the SEC, which is their highest preseason prediction from the SEC media, I believe, in five or six years. I think it was the 15-16 season, I want to say. Last time they picked this high, of course, in the women's basketball, SEC, South Carolina, picked the win at all in the SEC, and I think they were number one preseason as well. Uh, That's not a huge surprise. Definitely not, to me, as a little bit more of a surprise as Kentucky being picked on the men's side. But, Gene, before we kind of get to that, the the, the whole thing I want to say is I, I'm not shocked by any of this. I'm I'm not shocked by the fact also that you look at them inside, and they're, they have obviously the first and second team um, SEC teams. No Tennessee players on there. And I, I got to say, I'm not too shocked because you look at Tennessee's roster, and it's a lot of new, and it's a lot of guys that... Um, I wouldn't say are the best in the league or even top three maybe in the league at their positions and unless maybe it's Kenny Chandler. But again, he's a true freshman who... I know there's a couple other true freshmen on there. I think Jabari Smith was on the second team for Auburn. And obviously, I think there was a Kentucky player that was... or two that were, you know, new guys that are on there as well. But Tennessee, Justin Powell's not going to be on there. Fulkerson isn't going to be on there with the fact that he was hurt last year um, and didn't have a, a phenomenal season. You're not going to have Victor Bailey or Santiago Viscovi on there when there's other guards in the league that are uh, more high-profile than those two. So that didn't really shock me. I just thought it was kind of interesting you didn't have anybody on there. I was a little surprised that Ray Borrell didn't make the all sec team for the women's side. I'm also I don't know why, but there's not a maybe you can speak to this. I I, I don't I don't I just really don't know why is there not a second team all sec team for the women's side. Why don't they get that distinction, but but the men do? So. I thought that was weird, I, and I also felt like if there was a second team, Ray would have made that team, and, and maybe Horston. but I, I think definitely Ray Burrell would have at least made a second team. I'm a little surprised she didn't make the first, but kind of your all-encompassing thoughts, and I'll, I'll get to some to more granular, granularly details on that, Gene, but anything that stood out to you from, again, this is preseason stuff, you know, we'll make our preseason predictions here in the next few weeks, and, and we're obviously 100% accurate on all of ours, and you know, you can go back and listen to last year's podcast when we did an SEC podcast, and Gene and I were spot on on everything. We got all of it right. Coach of the year, player of the year, order, predictive order finish. Even though we had two different predictive orders of finishes, we both were right somehow. That's how good we are. But Gene, any overall thoughts you have before we kind of move into some more granular details on, on these preseason polls and stuff? Uh,
1: not really. I mean, I'm not really... Nothing surprises me on the men's side. Uh, I mean, I think that in in terms of looking at the players, there's there's not a player that uh, when when you're gonna if we're gonna play the game, you know such you know such and such should be in there. Mm -hmm. Then obviously the question becomes, who shouldn't? Yep. And I can't think of a player on Tennessee's team that should be in there at the expense of somebody that's already there. Uh, I think Keon Brooks from Kentucky, was a little uh, slightly surprising of a selection. But um, maybe Devontae Davis. But, uh, I mean, no, I, I think for the most part I'm I'm perfectly okay on the men's side. Obviously, Oscar from Kentucky, the West Virginia. Excuse me, the West Virginia transfer. You know, that's a a key addition for them as well. So I, I'm not really too surprised by that. Uh, on the women's side, I think I think I, I think Ray Varela deserved it. I, I'm pretty sure that last year there were two teams. Um,
0: it's just it's just weird to me that there wasn't two this year. Because you could be right. That's I just that's why I thought it was weird that there was only one this year.
1: And I'm I'm reading Tennessee's press release, and it just said that it's essentially the first team from all from last year. That's what they did. <laughs> they just went with like it, the teams, the 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 five players that made All SEC um, in the postseason last year. They just made them the preseason team this year. Uh, okay, I, I guess, but I, I do I, I do feel as though. I think these things always kind of they're they're good for us media talking heads, mm-hmm. but I don't. I mean, unless you get ever so often, you get that one player that's you know going to prove them all wrong, like the kid who feels they're a four star but they get listed as a two star type person. Those, uh, but I, I think that Burrell's going to have every opportunity to prove a lot of people wrong with her because I do think that she's. In line to have a really good season.
0: Yeah, I think she is too, and, and that yeah, like you said, I, I don't really think there's anybody on on the men's side that you look at and say, oh, they got snubbed or like you know, like you said, who 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 are you taking off? You mentioned a couple guys that you could take off, but then are you replacing them with a guy on Tennessee's roster? Because I don't think so. Like I, I think if you take off a Keon Brooks or take off Devontae Davis, you're replacing them with someone else on another SEC team, not not a evolve and that's not to say that Tennessee doesn't have good players because I think they do I just don't know that you have again aside from Kennedy Chandler potentially I don't know that Tennessee has a guy who's going to be an all SEC player um, this year because you don't have just one or two guys that you're counting on to be your stars you don't have a you don't have a team that is is got a good uh, got a good core but you look back a couple years ago with Grant Williams and Aaron Schofield those are obviously two all all-SEC candidates and they were two all all-SEC players Um. But that team was built around them. You don't have a... You're not built around John Fulkerson. You're, you're not really built around Kennedy Chandler. You're, you're built around position groups, but you're not built around a specific two, three guys. To me, this, this team isn't. And that, that, I think, could be beneficial to Tennessee this year. We, we've talked about that multiple times on this podcast, how the backcourt depth is very good, very promising. You worry about the front court, but you have a lot of good... On paper, at least, a lot of good backcourt depth there... But on the women's side, yeah, I, I think Ray is very deserving of that. And I, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I think as long as she's healthy, she has a very, very good chance of proving people wrong and earning the more important all-SEC distinction, which is after the season. Because this preseason stuff's nice. That's all built off of hype and expectation. The, the one that matters the most is at the end of the year, because that's, that's actually based on your merit. That That's something you've done to earn that. And not that you haven't earned the the hype or whatever. You know, a lot of times you, you have. Obviously, you look at some of the the names on the women's side; they all played last year, and you know they're built. Their expectations are built off what they did last year and and their uh, careers previously. And it's true to an extent for a lot of the guys on the men's side as well. But I think you're right, and I I, I would be I would be pretty shocked if Ray Rell doesn't end up All SEC and potentially like a if nothing else, like maybe even an, an honorable mention for All American by the end of the year, because I, th- I think she's just a really good player, and I think she's going to obviously take over the role that um, Renia Davis left behind. Not not that you can replace Renia, but I think Ray's going to be a, a pretty good fill-in for that role. In terms of where they're picked in the SEC, I think it's interesting that the Lady Vols are picked second, because you look at, obviously it's not a, a one-to-one comparison, but you look at where they were picked in the AP poll and Kentucky and South Carolina were both ahead of them but then you look at the media poll and Kentucky's like fourth um, so you look at the national media expecting Kentucky to be better than what the I guess the local regional SEC media is because it's South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Kentucky and I think it was just Kentucky and South Carolina ahead of the Lady Vols and uh, the AP poll I'll have to go back and double check but I, th- I, don't, I don't think A&M was ahead of the Lady Vols there on the men's side, it was I think, I think it was a pretty one-to-one ratio there. I think the men's team. I think it was Kentucky, Alabama, Ark. No, Arkansas. I think was below Tennessee. And I, th- I think they're below Tennessee in several other um, metrics and stuff too. But I I, I, I don't know. Like, to me, Tennessee being picked fourth, it doesn't surprise me. I think that's pretty fair. I, I think that's ultimately where I would put them because I, I don't think they're better than Alabama or Arkansas right now. I don't know. I don't know that I'd pick Kentucky to win the league. And Gene, I think that's the overall question I had about both the media polls. The, the women's ones didn't surprise me as much. I, it's South Carolina's league to lose. That's that's obvious to me. And I, I think it's interesting if Lady Vols are pick second, but I I understand that happening. I think you could make an argument for someone ahead of them. Um, I'll be curious to see if you agree with that, and maybe you do think someone should be ahead of the Lady Vols at that two spot. But I, I think you're there's not a huge difference between two, three, and four. I think for the the women's side, men's side. I know Kentucky to me on paper got a lot better from what they were last year. I just, I don't, I don't know that I would pick them to win the league. I, I honestly am leading towards Alabama as the team I think is the preseason favorite to win the SEC this year. And I know that's obviously those three of those four teams were the ones that finished in the top four last year. I think Florida, Florida LSU, I can't remember which one it was, was the other team that finished in the top four last year, but three of those four were the, were three of the four the top four last year, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee. But I genuinely, I genuinely think Alabama will be the one that wins it, um, at least based on right now. So I, I I think, is this a case of lazy SEC media picking Kentucky, or is there something to this, Gene, that maybe I'm blinded by a little bit? Because I, I think Kentucky, Kentucky will be very improved from, the, from last year. I just don't know that they're going to be winning the SEC improved.
1: I think they're going to be interesting because it was two seasons ago that i remember having a conversation with some friends of mine and that particular year um this was this was the season that went into into COVID. Hmm. Uh, i was talking about the golden state warriors who were horrible that year and i was talking about alabama football which had been below its typical standards and typically when you've been that good consistently when you have a year that doesn't fit you know, fit those standards, um, you become a laughing stock. And in that off-season, that's essentially what the Warriors and um, Alabama football had become. And I remember saying, I'd be careful, because people, I mean, programs like that that have a standard of winning have the tendency to basically Give a, basically give a proverbial middle finger, to a lot of people, whenever because like you're you're laughing a little too much is essentially what, uh, the feeling that I got and what happened, obviously the Warriors, got hurt again, and so they really weren't an awful lot although they were pretty good, <laughs> uh, I think they made the play in got beat by the Lakers in the play in game, but, we saw what Bama football was last year. Um, everybody got a pretty good look at that. I think, what was it, 13-0? Uh, I mean, they're still scoring touchdowns from that team. And It's it was ridiculous with the amount of talent they had and how good they were. And I say all that to say, Kentucky's got a lot of that right now. Um, I found it interesting that the team was built differently than the whole, you know, we're just going to go get a bunch of what-and-done guys and, Maybe, maybe sprinkle in one grad transfer. Maybe one of our freshmen comes back um, for his sophomore season. Um, but, you know, they were horrible last year. Was it 9-17? 9-16, yeah. Had, and they had, like, a couple kids. I know they had two kids drafted. They would have had three. Obviously, it was, it was very unfortunate what happened to Terrence Clark. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been another one. But I know B.J. Boston was drafted. Um I can't remember if somebody else was strapped up that team. But they had, oh, the Isaiah Jackson. Yeah. Um, so they had talent. I mean, they were obviously a talented team, but teams that are built that way going into a situation such as COVID, um, I think that becomes a problem. And so now you look at what they've done this year. They got the, the point guard from Georgia. Um,
0: yeah, who's a, I think he's a first-team preseason all-SEC. Yeah, Super wheeler.
1: Uh, they got the big from West Virginia. Mm-hmm. They got the shooter from uh, Davidson.
0: Yeah, uh, Gate. No, uh, Kelly uh, Grady. Grady.
1: Yeah, Grady. You know, Brooks is back. You know, <laughs> Mintz is back. You know, Dante Allen, who was, you know, when they were really struggling – a guy that the fans really, really wanted to play, you know, because he's, a Kentucky, he's from the state of Kentucky and, you know, it's always one of those weird things where if you're from the state of Kentucky, it just means a whole heck of a lot more to the fans to play a Kentucky kid. Um, you know, um, you know, Jacob, Jacob top in his back. Oh yeah, I forgot, CJ Frederick from Out. Oh, like, yeah. I understand oh, yeah. like, there's a, there's a lot of the stuff, a lot of the reasons why I'm skeptical about Texas, I can understand some people being, I mean, people being skeptical about Kentucky. So, uh, but it it this feels different because there are a lot of pieces that are back from now, again, it's a bad team, but it doesn't change anything, the amount of talent that's on that roster. And and so, like, I understand, I mean, what, the the number one point guard in the country? No, obviously he's not number one, but uh, the Washington kid, Tata Washington. Right. So like, I understand completely. I don't think it's, uh, I I don't think it's an unfair ranking or wrong or, or, or anything of that nature. Um, it could be, I, I think in some cases you do have that, I've voted in some of those things before. So I understand, I understand that. Um, I've got some teams I currently need to vote for, like, right now as we speak, and I may just wait till the last minute. But I've also done my homework in a lot of these cases. and uh, I don't think that... I, I think that there's reason to be slightly skeptical about Arkansas. Like, can they, can they build on that? Same thing with Bama. Can they build on that? Mm-hmm. Or are they the types of teams that you know kind of get I don't want to say figured out, but was that just the right collection of talent at the right time? Kind of like LSU football in twenty nineteen. Um I think those two coaches, Nate Oates and uh most of them are really good coaches. Mm-hmm. So I'm not suggesting that they're about to have an Orgeron type uh fall from grace, <laughs> but uh I mean obviously his stuff is much deeper than he got you know, just simply it's an, no. That's another day. But um, like, I understand why Kentucky is the choice because they did completely flip that roster. And when you look at that roster, they have three freshmen.
0: Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this not isn't this seven. isn't your your like you said. It's not your yeah. typical quote unquote uh, freshman reload that Calipari has done before.
1: And I told people on this on I guess it was his podcast maybe it was before it was rebranded, but I, I constantly said Kentucky ain't gonna do this again. They're not about to. He is not going to build the roster the same way next year, and he didn't. You know, he became very familiar with the transfer portal, got some guys by transfer. I mean, you know, got some guys by graduate transfer, got him in the whatever the, whatever it took. So. I'm not really surprised that they're number one uh, in the preseason because if it is, you know, it's one of those tagos the runner type deal. Okay, we've got Kentucky talent versus Arkansas talent versus Bama. Who am I going to go with? Yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. Like that's, I, that. there's some of that too. Um, I don't know how close the voting was. I'm only looking at the polls themselves. Kentucky, Alabama, Arkansas, yeah. Tennessee. I, I didn't see I, one that
0: broke down the actual the voting points or anything like that?
1: Maybe it was close. I don't know. Um, but I, I can only speak on like what I'm seeing and I'm not surprised. Now, like they'll uh, they'll have, you know, obviously they'll have an 18 game regular season and a tournament, to, you know, to to back that up. But uh, Kentucky being number one this particular year is not surprising at all. I think it's just more uh, if there was no COVID and Kentucky had just had a, a normal Kentucky-type season, I don't think we'd raise our eyebrows at it, but it's just they were so bad last year. And I think as a result of them being so bad that if uh, if Calipari is the – if if he's the the coach, not the recruiter, if he's the coach – that I kind of think he is. Uh, then this kind, of, this will have some sort of, uh, again, maybe not Bama result, but you know, twenty twenty Bama football sort of feel, where everybody got their jokes off, everybody got their laughs off, everybody made fun of us, but a chance to remind a lot of people um, that we're still a good program again look, still struggles against Barnes. i mean that may not that may it still it still may not change uh, but it just feels like going into the season that's a smart i mean that kentucky picking kentucky to win the league's a smart choice and maybe a lot of people are thinking for the same reasons that i am
0: i think it's fair i, I i'll we'll be sharing our picks like i said here in a little bit because the season starts in three weeks now that's crazy thing about but the season starts here in three weeks uh, so we'll be sharing our picks pretty soon and then we'll start also moving to a different format since the season we're starting we'll have more regular or I guess more frequent episodes potentially depending on what Gene and my schedule is like because obviously it's still during football season and it's still pre- it's like early season basketball is not as exciting um, as you start getting into you know January, February and stuff so what we'll see we'll play by year but I know with football still going on and Gene covering UTC that We'll have to play it by ear here, but we'll, we'll try to do some more episodes now that the season will be starting here soon as well, so we'll update you on that um, here in a couple weeks as well, but Gene, th- I think that'll more or less wrap up that part of the episode. I, I think I'll save some more of the talk until we make our picks in a few weeks, because I think that'll be, you know, where we can have some of those discussions for both the Vols and Lady Vols, but I, I, I agree with what you said. I, I, the SEC is just going to be very interesting in both, both men's and women's basketball this year, honestly. Um, I, I think it is South Carolina's a lose in, on the women's side, but I, I I don't I don't know that they have as much of a vice grip on it this year as they've had in years past. But again, I still expect them to win it, and I would be a little surprised that if they didn't. Men's side, I think, is a little bit more of a crapshoot, but we'll cover more of that later on. All right, let's get to the main topic, the one that a lot of people probably, the reason why they clicked on this episode, and that's to talk about. All of this lawsuit stuff, Gene. We'll try to not talk for too super long about it because I don't want this podcast to go for two hours. Um, but here, here's here's the rundown. I'm gonna I'm gonna read here from the article that was on ESPN that was written by Mark Schlabach and, and Chris Lowe. Uh, the original report first came out. I think Blake Topfmeier of KNS of the Knoxville News and slash uh, USA Today Network had the original report that came out with the Jeremy Pruitt's lawyer with the, the reports and things like that. That gets referenced here in this article. Essentially I'm gonna I'm gonna read some excerpts from this and, and get to quotes from Mark Barnes and Philip Former here too. So Gene, bear with me for just a second. You've probably read this already or at least read some of it. Uh so I Miss maybe rehashing it just for you. But for anyone who hasn't heard all the exact quotes and stuff, I'm not gonna read the entire article but I wanna read some of it here to you. So an attorney that's representing Jeremy Pruitt has given the University of Tennessee officials until October 29th, which is on a Friday, to reach a financial settlement with the former Vols head football coach or face a lawsuit that he says will include details of a myriad of NCAA rules violations in the football program and other sports that will result in debilitating NCAA sanctions in a letter that was sent october 7th to tennessee general counsel ryan Stinnett, attorney michael lyons of dallas requested a meeting to resolve Pruitt's demands for a 12.6 million dollar buyout that he claims is owed after being fired in january for alleged rules violations in his program the university said he was terminated with cause and he is owed nothing so a quote from lyons here as we've previously discussed a public lawsuit with its related discovery document productions, depositions, disclosures, and court filings is a no-win situation for UT. Alliance said in the letter, which was obtained by ESPN. Even if UT prevails on its claimed defenses to the contract, which is unlikely, the public revelations from the lawsuit will invariably embarrass UT, its athletics department, and the administration. All of the parties to this dispute should try to avoid that. Later on, Gene, in this article, it's mentioned uh, that Lions added in his letter we've learned that UT upper administration that was involved in or encouraged impermissible recruiting tactics we've also learned that several prominent UT boosters have been and are involved in efforts to impermissibly recruit student athletes across multiple sports spanning multiple coaching regimes some of which are still in place one of those coaches that he said is still in place and was named in that letter was rick barnes tennessee head basketball coach and also also forward tennessee athletic director philip fulmer uh trying to get to the actual quote here yeah so uh fulmer's quote here uh the days i interviewed each candidate for the head coaching head football coaching position at the university of tennessee including jeremy Pru- pruitt I emphasized that you did not have to cheat to win at the University of Tennessee, and that cheating would not be tolerated, Former told ESPN. Jeremy has no one to blame but himself for his firing from UT. He had a great opportunity at a great university and he simply screwed it up. But Gene, here's the main point or I guess the main point I want to get to here for this particular podcast. Rick Barnes, who is entering his seventh season as the Vols basketball coach, echoed Former sentiments. Quote from Barnes here I'm really disappointed that Jeremy would throw people's names around that he knows did nothing but support him the entire time he was here and make these unsubstantiated claims, he told ESPN. I would invite the NCAA to come in any day of the week and investigate our program. I have too much respect for our players, our school, and our administration for somebody to ever think we were not doing things right here and make such ridiculous statements. But Jeremy is not here because of the decisions he made and the way he led his program. Here's what I know our university has done everything it possibly can in working with the NCAA to clean up the mess he left behind and bring this to closure. Whew, so essentially, Gene <laughs> uh, Barnes fired back, basically told the NCAA, Hey, you're welcome to come here and invest in my program all you want. Any day of the week, I'm open door here, come in, you're not going to find anything. I feel like it's always a little dangerous to say to. Anybody investigating you, but I mean, Rick Barnes feels pretty confident they're not going to find anything. So, and I, and he hasn't, there hasn't been any uh, issues with this time at Tennessee at all in his six plus years so far at the university that have raised any, even a, a smidge of an eyebrow from the NCAA. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess I'm inclined to believe him here, but <laughs> there is more, there are more layers that didn't get mentioned in the ESPN article, but that was slightly hinted at in the um, the s report, and I think you mentioned another source that talked a little bit more in depth about it too. But one I wanted to mention, because I don't think Rick Barnes is dirty. I don't. I really don't think he is, and, and I don't think <laughs> he's proven he has it. He doesn't have a dirty track record. He doesn't have the the smudges on his resume that a, a Will Wade has, or um, what's his face? The oh, I just forgot his name. The one that got fired from Arizona recently. Uh, you know, you you all know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank no. you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. He doesn't have any smudges on his resume like, like, like those guys do. But you do have a former Vol player and a prominent AAU coach that was mentioned in the letter, and also um, Larry Pratt, who is a prominent donor uh, for the program as well, but Bobby Mays, who we've talked about on this podcast before because a lot of his uh, basketball players at his AAU program, uh, the B. B- Mays Elite, have come or are about to come to Tennessee. You've had uh, you, Gene, you and our name and the names before we started the podcast here. You had uh, Drew Pember, you had Jaden Springer, Andre Tomba, uh, BJ Edwards who's committed to Tennessee as part of the BMA's Elite program as well. Uh, you also had uh, Brendan Helmy Hatfield, and I feel like there's someone else I, I'm forgetting to mention, but th- that's a lot of players in the last three years that have, have been or are still currently, I guess, technically part of the BMA's Elite program that have been, are currently, or about to be Vols. And I'll let you handle this part because you know a little bit more about this whole situation than I do, or a little bit more specifically about AAU stuff too. But it's not its not great news uh, for Tennessee and, and definitely not for Bobby Mays' uh, AAU program that his name has popped up in this. And, and if this does, if Tennessee does continue to dig in their heels and entrench themselves into this battle, that's the only. That's like the main thing that would concern me for the basketball program is is the whole Bobby May stuff. Because I I really I truly believe Rick Barnes himself is clean, but that doesn't mean everything else around recruiting for basketball is clean. He can be clean. His his co- his his recruiting assistants. Excuse me. Um, his assistant coaches can be clean, but that doesn't mean everything. Because we know basketball is a dirty sport. In recruiting even with NIL stuff making things legal, there's still plenty of illegal or under the table things you can do to get a recruit to your school that the NIL, you can't just hand wave away with that. So I'll let you kind of talk about it, but it's it's not good news that Bobby Mays, is, his name has popped up in this, this whole situation.
1: Yeah, I think that's the part that's the most cringeworthy for me. Uh, it, it's just simply the fact that, you know, like Bobby has run um, what's considered one of the most successful programs in the country. Uh, for quite some time now. And, you know, schools, certain schools across the country have have benefited from from his players. I mean, I think Tennessee now has, uh, there's five, I think, B. Mays kids, Jaden Springer, uh, Drew Pember, uh, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, uh, Tomba, and soon-to-be B.J. Edwards. That gets you to five yeah, I, I know that there's a kid in their 2023 class, you know, Blue Cane, that's been offered. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a kid in the 2024 class, oh uh, God, Joff Felton um, that's been offered. It's you know, so th- there's potential there uh, for that to, you know, for that, you know, for that to kind of keep going. I guess you could say. Uh, I think I think the concern for me I mean and it's not just simply that I mean I think there's uh, there's a kid at uh, there may be a kid at UT Martin uh, there's a kid from Greenville that's committed to Davidson right now um, although I just noticed today that he just got offered by Rich Virginia Tech in football so I don't know but yeah and you know, he's, he's got a kid going to Providence next year. Uh, so there are a lot of kids. He's got a kid at Rhode Island right now. There are a lot of kids who have benefited from being a part of Bobby's program. I think where it gets concerning to me is the fact that you want AAU programs and coaches, in my opinion, to kind of, be under the radar when you are specifically getting mentioned. Um, first of all, I, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of, of of what Pruitt's done here because it's kind of got a feel where you know you got in trouble. And you're like, well, it's not just me. You know, it's like <laughs> you're getting told as a kid. Like, I didn't I didn't grow up in siblings, but mm. uh, I, you know for those who grew up with siblings when you know like you you get caught eating cookies and mom told you or dad told you not to have any cookies and well johnny had 10 of them i only had five well well shut up why like why i mean why are you doing this like Mm -hmm. that's that that i'm not a fan of that so let me be clear but and i understand a lot of people feel a certain way Uh, about the person who is doing this Um, but it doesn't mean that there's not some level of truth to it and that's where it gets concerning to me because we are talking about uh, I mean I, I think you read the I think you read what the statement said Mm-hmm. but basically Lions as for all documents regarding Larry Pratt Bobby Mays or Rick Barnes and the use of any foundational organization in connection with providing benefits sorry to student athletes or recruits um, like when you've got an AAU coach who has helped your program with numerous players get numerous players that ain't good and a- for, to me, AAU is about get, you know getting kids opportunities to go on to the next level that they want, because that's why kids play AAU. Obviously, I have a son. I mean, people who have listened to the podcast, um, I have a son who plays basketball at Cleveland High School and plays AAU basketball. Um, I know of a kid at Cleveland that played for the B-Mace program at Cleveland now, he's a junior, he's one of their 2023 kids. I don't know if he's going back, but he played for him this past year. And so where I think this is concerning to me is when you get named how many of these kids that are currently a part of your program, how many of these kids' families look at a situation like this and say, man, do is this something I want to be a part of, or is something going to potentially affect my eligibility if I continue to be a part of this program? Like these are the thing, you know, or oh, they're you know the 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 head basketball coach of Tennessee's name is listed. It's you no, know, it's not always what you know is what you can prove, and if you have people out there that are thinking that. You know that Barnes is some in some way, shape, or form dirty. I don't think for at all. I don't think for a second. I think he's one of the best things that's happened to the tendency program because there's been, you know, the thing you and I have talked about the lack of uh, um, consistency in terms of the coaching ranks. It this may be what like the second or third longest term in how long. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, you look. I mean, you've got some stability. That's the word I was searching for. You've got stability in that program, and good stability. I mean, yeah, I get it. He had a the the whole UCLA thing happened, and then they did not have a great year that year. Um, I get it. I completely understand all of that stuff. But that dude has been a really good coach in Knoxville. If you want to, if you want to nitpick little things that happen along the way, you go right ahead. That's your prerogative. But then I say, would you rather have Donnie Kendall back? Like I thought, I think, I think Kansa Martin was an underrated coach there. You know, obviously he took them to a Sweet 16. Tennessee is a program's been to eight of those. That matters to me. Doesn't have to matter to you. Matters to me. It's a that's, a that's a postseason sport. He, you know, thirteen percent of their Sweet Sixteens. He's involved with, mm-hmm. uh, um. but I don't want him over uh, Barnes. I get it. Pearl was everybody's guy, and all this, that, and the other. I think you'd much rather have the way you feel about your program right now, in terms of, you know, cleanliness. This situation notwithstanding. I think you'd much rather you know like this situation. Uh, you don't have <laughs> you don't have issues inside of your program. at least there Do you want Buzz Peterson? Do you want Jerry Green? What about Kevin O'Neill? How about Wade Houston? And that's pretty much every coach that I can remember from the moment I started liking basketball when I was like eight years old. I don't remember anybody else. Certainly, I'm not a Tennessee fan like most of the people listening. I deserve I deserve some congratulations. Well, yeah, I mean, actually, well, the
0: problem the problem is, I mean, Don DeVoe's still alive, but after after that, the rest of the coaches are not alive anymore. So you yeah. you about ran through all the ones that are still alive.
1: <laughs> well, I went through the ones that are through my you know, that I remember. Obviously, I grew mm-hmm. I grew up with family in Knoxville and read the Knoxville News Sentinel a lot and had uncles and an uncle and aunts or uncles and aunts really. Talking to me about Tennessee when I was a kid, so Vols, Lady Vols, football, all I get it all. Um, but you've got a level of stability in your program now, and that's what concerns me. Like everybody, everybody that I know of, uh, let me say this: there are I know of college coaches, no no details necessary, that are leery of the BMA's program. And they will not deal with players within that program. Um I know of most of them, most don't have that problem. And I'm and again, I'm not to say, I'm not here to say that either one is wrong for that mentality. Like I've covered coaches who have who I mean who who have worked with B Mays. I've seen it. Like I've met him. I've talked to Bob. I've talked to Bobby on a couple of occasions. Hey, when go after seventh grade, my son made the Bobby Mays program. Maybe it was the A team, maybe B, C, or D. We went another direction because he had. By the time I heard, I found out that he had made the team. He had already uh, committed to another program. Um, would my perspective be different? Probably. But I have a little bit more of an outsider perspective here, from my conversations with them. I like them, so I'm not speaking on anything personally. But again, I'm just concerned from the perspective of when you have an AAU coach getting, getting mentioned, just getting mentioned in, in letters, like that's, that ain't good. And that's that's my biggest concern. That's my biggest issue is the fact that, like now, we're talking about a person. Um, we're talking about a person who is, for the most part, um, I can't even say he's under the radar, because I mean, Bobby is huge in Knoxville, mm-hmm. but a guy who, in the grand scheme of things, is a small part and doesn't. It's not like he has. He doesn't have an office, in you know, on, on UT's campus. You know, he he's so in the in the grand scheme of things, he's a small part. So for him to specifically get mentioned, that ain't good. And so um, I hope this is largely nothing. I hope it's nothing, because I would hate for kids to miss out on opportunities because something that you know transpires as far as B. Maze is concerned. I remember talking to him and him talking, you know, him he and I talking about those early days when he basically was building this thing from nothing. And so I understand that he's put in a lot of hard work for this. Um he's put in a lot of hard work for this to be a good program. I get it, completely get it. I would hate it for all parties involved if there's something far more tangible to this i can't speak on larry pratt know nothing about it heard some things that were so not first second third fourth fifth so far off hand that I, they don't deserve repeating i don't know so i'm not here to speak on it i, I feel a little bit more um knowledgeable of the of this stuff concerning um b mays and only in the context of my you know my dealings with them not a bad guy but I also understand that it's that it's not my dealings that are the issue um, so we'll see where this goes again I, I I don't love again I'm really more against I mean heck the timing of it <laughs> I mean it, it seems convenient that it's Bama week uh, for football yeah. um I'm I'm not fond of just what he's doing here. I understand it, but this wasn't going anywhere. Um at all. I think that Barnes response was really good, but I'd be real careful with that. But I think it was a really good I think it was a really good statement, but I would be really careful just because just because you don't know things going on doesn't mean things aren't going on and that's not and that's something i would hate to have happen um but we'll see man i mean we'll see like i I've been trying to think all day ever since I first heard from Nathaniel about, you know, how I wanted to frame this. And I don't want to frame it like negatively towards any particular person, body thing. I mean, I I wanted to give some context to everything that I understand about the situation and kind of just let people go wherever they want to go with it. But it's not a situation where... I think it's good for anybody involved at this point forward because um, I don't know what could happen. I mean, a lot of people can say confidently that nothing's going to happen from this, but, and who knows, the way the NCAA works, um, look, I used to cover Will Wade. I understand um, the wills of justice move pretty slowly at times. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've noticed that and because that was in, what, 2018, 2019? When that first came out, that was, what, two and a half years ago. And HBO's making documentaries about Christian Dawkins. I think that's his name. Um, But there has been zero resolution as to what, if anything, would happen, I mean, could or would happen or will happen with with Will. Um, Sean Miller took, I mean... I don't remember the details. That's what happened with Sean Miller ultimately. Uh, I think, yeah, I think he ultimately got fired, but I think it's because he had a bad year.
0: Right. More was, so. His recruiting was going downhill because he couldn't recruit anymore because of all the stuff going on.
1: That in effect will. So. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems that when, you know, in the pac 12, what we saw in the postseason, pac pack 12 is largely underrated. Um, what was at least largely underrated uh, this year. So, like, that's just my thing. It's like, you know, the wheels of justice move very, very slowly in in these instances. So, not the same thing's going to happen in in the lifetime of any of these collegiate athletes. Um, I just want to see these kids get opportunities to continue with their, you know, with their athleticism and academic experience. And, and a lot of kids have really, really bought in to Bobby's program. And I would hate to see something happen because Jeremy Pruitt, you know, did the whole, what about Chicago thing? Uh, to us that's what I don't want to have happen
0: yeah I, I like you said the timing of it suspect at best and then like you said the whole situation of well hey I, I know I'm I, I think it was the letter from uh, a response to that letter uh, was one of the UT attorneys saying that like in no way did you say you're, you're not plaintiff the, whatever your your defendant whatever his hands are clean you're just saying that like you're going to throw everyone else from the bus because you know you're guilty. Like saying, "Hey, I'm not the only guilty one." It's basically, you always see the like the mob movies and stuff, and Pruitt and, and his attorney are being snitches right now. Like,
1: it's like I've got my, I've got you know, I understand that I have crumbs on my chin, but so do they. And I, right. I don't like uh-huh. like like you're you're guilty, man. Like that's I get that. It's just I understand you want your money.
0: Yeah, and he's not, he he re- he, he, yeah, he's not doing this from the yeah. kindness of his heart, saying, oh, look, this is corrupt. I'm, I'm exposing corruption. He's doing it because he wants $12.6 million. Which, I mean, again, like, if he feels he's owed that, then whatever. Like, that's a different story. And if you feel if you're owed something legitimately, sure, go after it. But this is, I don't know, th- this whole thing just feels dirty to me, the way it's handled. And I agree with you, Gene. I, I'm not a huge fan at all of how the timing of it, how it's being handled, the way it's being handled... But like you said, at the same time too, like I think if anything happens, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a bigger implication on the former administration at UT and the football program. I, I don't know, even even if Bobby Mays and stuff, the fact like you said, the fact he's mentioned I and mean, he's like a a pretty small. You look at the grand scheme of things, a pretty small part of the men's basketball program. It's pretty concerning that he was mentioned in there. He's not the big donor that Larry Pratt is. He's not the head coach of the university's basketball program. He's not even an assistant. He's not even a a video coordinator. You know, he, he's not even a a GA. He's a guy who is a former player, granted, but he's an AAU coach who's tangentially connected to the program uh, by way of that, but also by way of being a former player. That's not good. <laughs> but uh, but even with that, like I don't I don't know that that would. I don't know that you'd have to worry too much. If you're if you're listening to this and you're just purely a basketball fan, if you, if you kind of like football but you're you know a lot more invested in the the basketball programs at the University of Tennessee, I don't know that I would I would make you panic and say, "Hey, you need to worry about this." If you're going to worry about anything, I think it's going to be stuff that comes out about it, about the football program. And even with that, like I know they say that they have previous regimes and and some that are still sitting there or whatever, but like. Tennessee fired a lot of the people who were seemingly tied to a lot of the stuff that happened, especially the football. You look at, I mean, the entire coaching staff's gone, but specifically the ones that were terminated were Pruitt, Niedermeyer, Shelton Felton. I think that's it. But then you also, I mean, he s- stepped down, but he was, it was a mutual agreement for Phil- former to leave when he did. They just wanted to, you know, and, and to be fair, they wanted him to save face and, and not, you know, besmirch, the Tennessee icon a legend any more than he'd already been mismatched I, I, I think that's fine like whatever but he was also obviously involved with something whether it was a lack of control or whatever I mean the, what was the quote from Don De Plowman it was stunning and shocking just how deep everything went and how messy all that stuff was with with the football program I d- I, my, my whole point in saying all this is I, I don't think if you're a Tennessee fan that you should worry a great deal about the basketball program but I, I think your point was made very eloquently Gene you don't want to mess up the stability you have here and, and Rick Barnes just signed that extension recently and it's you know going to be here f- probably for another uh, I forgot what the extension was for but he's he's going to be here and by the time he's done coaching at Tennessee he will be one of the longest tenured coaches at the university. You're, you're looking at probably only Don DeVoe and um, Ray Mears being longer at Tennessee. and I, I'm going to look and see exactly how long Don DeVoe was at the university. I feel like it was, I want to say, was it 11 years? I was very close. It was technically 12 seasons, I think. So it, it was, you know, over a decade. By the time Rick Barnes is Kurtz, uh, over at Tennessee, is, assuming he doesn't get fired early for any reason, um, he'll be right on par with what Don DeVoe was. And obviously, you know, Ray Mears is at Tennessee the longest, has Tennessee's most wins, is, is, is you know, the... Um, I guess, the standard of what what it means to be a, a Tennessee basketball coach. And I guess, I mean, I don't know, you could argue Bruce Pearl. Bru- Bruce Pearl would have, if he'd stayed at Tennessee longer, he would have su- he would have surpassed Ray and stuff like that. But obviously he wasn't, uh, so we won't get into that. But yeah, Ray is at Tennessee for, what, 16 seasons, I think? F- 15 years, 16 seasons, somewhere around there. But they're the longest. It, yeah, so, yeah he, 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 you don't want to mess up the stability that you have with this program because this is not a program that's used to stability. The last, since Don DeVoe, the longest you've had a head coach at the University of Tennessee, I mean, it is Rick Barnes now, but before that was Bruce Pearl. And then that ended disastrously. <laughs> so you've, you've mostly had guys at the university for four years, three, sometimes one. You got lucky with Pearl that he was there for six years and then got fired. Barnes is entering his seventh year, and that has been a rarity for this program. You've had four years, four years, three years, four, like six years, three years, one year. And you, you've had... it's like the, I mean, the football program's not been much different since... In fact, it's it's been the same just for a shorter period of time since Philip Former. You had two coaches for like 30-something years with uh, Johnny Majors and Philip Former And then you've had one year of Lane Kiffin, three years of Dooley, five of Butch, three of Pruitt... And now you're entering your first year of high Like you've had that same, it's, you're entering that <laughs> that same unfortunate pattern with football where you're not keeping guys around and you've seen the devastation that's wrought on the football program. It's easier and quicker to rebuild a basketball program because it's not nearly as many guys. You have 13 roster spots that are scholarship roster spots as opposed to 85. Um, it, it's There's more parity in college basketball than there is football. It's easier to, to have success with a less talented roster in basketball than it is in football as well. So the the parallels aren't exact, but you don't you you don't want to mess this up. This is the sport that Tennessee has aside from I'd say aside from obviously women's basketball with, with Pat being there as long as she was, this is the sport that you want to have the most longevity and, and want to have consistency in. And Tennessee despite all of that, as you mentioned Gene that despite all of that, they've gone to several Sweet 16s with several different coaches and Rick Barnes has one of those Sweet 16 appearances and could very well potentially have one again this year depending on the health of the team and how they gel and stuff like that too. So I say I, I, I long-winded way of saying I wouldn't worry too greatly about this program and about all this stuff that's coming out because, you know, I, I genuinely think if anything happens that Tennessee is determined to fight this and things do go public, it's going to be a lot bigger of a a deal for the football program. And I, but they, even then, like, I don't know how big it's going to be because it was stuff that was done in the past by people who aren't there anymore for the most part. I don't know. I, I just, I'm not, I wouldn't worry too much about the basketball program. But I think you're right. I think there is reason for some concern. I just don't think you'll see, like, what Tennessee was facing with Bruce Pearl in terms of what the NCAA could have handed down with that, or what they could have handed down with Donnie Tyndall if Tennessee hadn't fired him with cause. Because those were those were worse situations than I think what Tennessee could potentially be in with this situation. In in my opinion, again, I don't know the details. We, none of us know like any of the exact details about this. We're just going based off of was in the letter and just kind of whispers and stuff like that it, it's nothing even that we know of that would be horrible and, and damning evidence for Tennessee but G- uh, Gene I don't, I don't think it would be even to the level of what we could have seen with Bruce Pearl or what we could have seen with Donnie Tyndall in terms of punishments or nastiness like that I don't think maybe I'm wrong but that's what I'm thinking
1: no and you know I was looking uh Barnes is the sixth longest tenured coach in Tennessee history. That's
0: right, yeah. I, think uh, I, tweeted, that, I tweeted that out, not so long ago, actually, from the yeah, Hoops Super um, account.
1: This is jarring. Um, I think they're good. Uh, I think that what, you know, we'll see where this thing goes. I just, don't, I just don't think it's good that you have people who are very minor, minute parts of your program mentioned in Court documents. Uh, that's that I'm not a, I'm not fond of. I'm not a fan of. Mm-hmm. I think that's that would be the only concerning thing to me because if you mentioned a Kim English or some some coach, uh, obviously Barnes was mentioned, but to mention people, that's one of those where the bodies are buried type things. Uh, that's in case of emergency, break the glass name and that's kind of what that is so not a a fan of it Uh, not a fan of it from from Pruitt's perspective but not a fan of it in the context of uh, what Tennessee's trying to build there don't think anything really comes of it ultimately but still I just wanted to submit that going to the record saying I'm just not uh, I'm not a fan I'm not fond of that fact that that's that's out there
0: you mentioned the where the bodies are buried and that reminded me of Philip Forrest's quote from when he took the eighty position. We, we should one day do a podcast on quotes from UT, at, UT athletics people that ended badly that did, that didn't age well because how we could do a whole, we could do a legitimate whole podcast episode about quotes from UT head coaches, administrators, whatever that didn't age well. So I don't know why that sprung out my head but I just, I just thought about that. There, there's several from not as many in basketball probably but there's several I just Pops in my head that I can think of that uh it didn't age well I, I immediately thought of the which Jones's the red team comment about Alabama was one that sprang to mind really quickly so uh that's a whole different topic but yeah to, I, I went back and looked at that tweet from a while ago when we were um seven weeks away from the start of the season because I, I put in the tweet here from at fall hoops fever if you want to follow the show on twitter uh, so Rick Barnes is entering his seventh season as UT's head coach. He's only the sixth coach in school history to coach seven or more seasons, and he ranks sixth in school history in wins with 123. I think if I look at a uh, deeper there, I feel like there's something else. I think I, I may have added something to that too, saying it's something about how um, he only needs a couple wins. I think this year to move up to fifth all time. I'll, I'll go pull it up really quickly before we. In the podcast here but a reminder again we are only three weeks away from the season starting um with both the men's and women's team basically the men's team plays on November 9th for their season opener but before that they have the exhibition game and they also i think they have a a closed private scrimmage i believe with davidson i want to say either this weekend or next weekend it's, it's obviously not open to the public um so unfortunately you know no one's gonna be able to see it but i think there will be a, a decent chance you hear some like you know, reports and stuff out of there, and, and some guys like you know, um, Rob Lewis of VolQuest or Grant Ramey from 247 might get news and stuff and, and share it there, but um, those will not be open to the public. Lady Vols, I, I want to say have one as well, and I could be wrong about that. I know they have a, an exhibition game before the season starts, but uh, both teams are going to be opening the season in early November. Like I said, the men's team on November 9th, Lady Vols on November 10th, but I, I think that's that's probably where we should end this. I, I I feel like we could talk a little bit more about some of the stuff in the in the report and, and kind of go on about that. But I feel like we'll get off the topic of basketball. And I don't want to do that whole lot in this podcast. We I want to keep this one as much about basketball as, as, as possible. There's plenty of other podcasts out there that talk about all UT sports in general. We'll, we'll kind of, I mean, we'll mention, we have talked a little bit about the football program here a little bit um, in previous episodes and obviously here today as well. But I, I'd want to make this as much basketball centric as possible we'll, we'll bring in other tangentially related topics from football baseball softball or, or, or whatever but for the most part I, I think this should just be a, a basketball podcast because I don't think that's out there very much for Vol fans who appreciate and like basketball a ton they don't they don't have just a dedicated basketball podcast so I want to do that for Vols and Lady Vols fans um, to give you that so anyway i oh, just kind of going on a little rant there. I'm going to end the podcast here. So, if if all of you enjoyed this, if you want to hear more, if you have any questions about anything we talked about here, whether it was the preseason stuff, whether it was the uh, all the reports and the lawsuits and all that stuff, please let us know. You can hit us up on Twitter at vol Hoops Fever, on Facebook Vol Basketball Fever. So go follow us, go like us there, send us a message, send us a tweet if you if you have any questions or anything um, pertaining to any of this or anything you want us to cover here in the future. Again, the season will be starting somewhat soon, so we'll, we'll probably be expanding back to doing more than one episode per week in the month of November. Again, we're getting close to holiday season, football season's still going on, so schedules are uh, going to be crazy. But we'll, we'll, we'll at least by the time January rolls around, we should be getting back to doing uh, multiple podcast episodes per week. And hopefully we'll have some news for you on the Lady Vols front for future episodes, so keep an eye out for that. I know I don't want to say for sure because nothing is finalized yet, but I, I'm very hopeful we'll have uh, some news on potentially a Lady Vols-specific podcast, not just the Vol Basketball Fever one, but kind of expanding the format a little bit and doing a show that's dedicated specifically to the Lady Vols. This one will still talk about both teams. Mostly, I guess, the men's team, but Jeannie and I obviously do talk about Lady Vols as well, but be on the lookout for that. I'll, I'll keep you updated. Again, nothing set in stone just yet. Nothing really even kind of Penciled in necessarily. So don't get your hopes up too high, but I'm, I'm hopeful we'll have something here in the coming weeks uh, to share with you on that front. But signing off for Gene, I'm Nathaniel. Again, subscribe to the show if you're new here, or if you're not new and you haven't subscribed yet, do that. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. Follow us on social media. Send us any questions, any comments, uh, any thoughts, critiques. If you're going to critique us, do that on social media. Don't do that on, on the Apple review. That that, <laughs> that that hurts more than it helps, even though I, I appreciate the feedback. It, it, it's better to have positive reviews and stuff on Apple, unless you just hate us and you want us to suffer. So if that's the case, I'm sorry, and I feel bad. But anyway, hope you all have a great day. Signing off for G9, Nathaniel. This has been another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Subscribe to the show so you'll never miss another episode.